0: This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you are listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting, different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time at Core Brain Journal. And, you know, we have some very, very interesting guests. I say this almost every time because I'm so excited about the opportunity to talk to great people that we talk to. And today's guest is a person who is really proficient deep into East Asian medicine and how it actually works with some of the things we've been struggling with here at Core Brain Journal for the years. We, we're almost two years out now in these programs at Core Brain Journal. And so we're welcoming Dr. Laura Varga. Welcome, Laura. Thank you, Chuck. So we're looking forward to talking to you in just a moment. We're going to, first of all, talk a little bit about our sponsors, and then we'll go on and introduce you formally. CoreBrain Journal is sponsored by Direct Health Access Laboratory. They are international leaders in molecular testing for mind science details. With over 3 million studies, they provide deep experience with the usefulness of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges. We see this all the time in practice. They have innovative insights that improve treatment priorities through a global service with a molecular focus. Connect your provider with a PDF on how and why these molecularly oriented tests work for treatment failure at dhalab.com forward slash core. Stay tuned for more details in a minute. Core Brain Journal is also sponsored by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, where they provide fresh options to address the complexity of child and adolescent treatment failure from behavior imbalances to substance abuse, both nationally and internationally. Most interesting is their deep focus on data driven biomedical advances that measure specifics on what to do with treatment failures. Even after multiple hospitalizations or extensive outpatient work, review their innovative programs. They are really comprehensive over there, at BarryRobinson.org. B a r r y Robinson.org forward slash core. More information coming later in the program. So let me introduce Dr. Laura Varga. She is a D A O M, and we're going to ask her about that in just a moment because I didn't know what it is, and I'll be hearing it for the first time when she tells us about it in just a moment. She's down in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. She lived on both the East and West Coast. She worked in research at UPenn and UC San Diego. She holds top US degree in Asian East Asian medicine, which is a DAOM from Oregon College of Oriental Medicine. She's been seeing patients since 2010. She worked in health industry for 25 years. And after five years of practicing on her own, in East Asian medicine and then adding the functional medicine component she's feeling very satisfied that she's beginning to actually collect the big picture same kind of thing happened to me to tell you the truth yeah I was doing traditional medicine and then I was like getting it wrong and I'm like I should be getting it right if I know what I'm doing and I'm not getting it right so I've got to go over and do something else that's why I'm really looking forward to hearing about Mm. you so she's into nature I mean how can you be into East Asian medicine without being into nature I mean (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, so she's, she's a sailor woman and we were just bonding on that a little bit. She swims in the ocean and she's really surprised that it took her five years to figure out what the big picture was. But hey, I think some people it takes a lifetime. So five years is not bad. <laughs> so with that, let's start with what this degree is, the D-A-O-M, and sort of get to know you from there if we can.
1: Sure. So in the 1980s, in the US, they started to offer the Masters of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. Mm -hmm. And then later in 2005, they offered the DAOM. So Mm -hmm. you do the Masters first, which is four years, you can do it accelerated in three, and then you do an additional two years to get the DAOM. Wow. Yeah.
0: So you do know the meridians.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And a lot more, yeah.
0: But you know what's interesting is so many people have no idea what a meridian is. Yeah. So we need to talk a little bit about that as we do that introduction because before we actually start though, I want to get a little more narrative about you in the background. What took you down that path? How did you become interested in the big picture. What was the reason that sort of drove you on this? I really don't like the term alternative medicine. Yeah, I mean, it implies a categorical negative in some way. Yeah. And I think it's, I like the word comprehensive medicine, but go ahead. What took you down there? How did that happen?
1: Life. So when I was at University of Pennsylvania, my goal was PhD in psychology. I was a psychology major. I worked in labs in psychology and also psychiatry. And you'll like this because the lab next door in psychiatry, they'd get cadaver brains in. So it was all hands on deck and we'd all rush in and help dissect, you know, an Alzheimer's brain or a Parkinson's brain. And that was interesting because they felt different in your hand. Oh, is
0: that right? Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it a, the texture was different. What was the difference? Uh, like an Alzheimer's brain, you know, it just it had atrophied. It was like more jelly-like. It wasn't as as formed and as solid. And then in Parkinson's, you could see different aspects of the brain that had atrophied different from an Alzheimer's brain. Oh. So there was a real physiological difference.
0: In oh, the yeah. Brain. That's very yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. And then I took this great class called physiological psychology, and he taught it all by research articles. So I'm grateful for him to teaching me that skill. But it was fascinating to me at the level of the physiology that we would feel thirst, that we would feel hunger, right? And then later I took biological basis of behavior classes, the same thing, looking at neurons in terms of emotions and how we're feeling things. So I started to think, all right, maybe an MD. And I moved out to San Diego, California, and I worked in clinical research at UCSD, psychiatry. Those were the days when Zoloff was coming out and Paxil, gastroenterology, pulmonary, Medicine and volunteered with a pediatrician. So I had this like real interest going, and then I started being treated by an East Asian medicine physician for allergies and asthma that I had since I was six years old, and it was successfully treated. Mm. So uh, the environment of San Diego was influencing me because there's a lot more Asian medicine over there. Then I started studying things like shiatsu and you know, reading a lot more about nutrition. I had these two interests that were forming at the same time. And then when the DAOM came out in 2005, it just was serendipitous. I, I saw it and I went, oh, that, you know, I would be interesting to do that. And it's a great fit for me. Yeah. Well, that's
0: interesting because Stephen Stahl is so influential out there. He's at the U.S., University of California, San Diego. He's he's mm-hmm. the big uh, psychopharmacology lecturer in the country. He has, he's a big neuroscience psychopharmacology guy. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he's he's got a whole neuroscience training thing, which is strictly psychopharmacology and so every time in the u s you see San Diego, I think it's Stephen Stahl, but he didn't you didn't rush, you didn't brush up against him here with another group well that's fantastic that you actually we see that happen so often in our practice people with immune system dysregulation that mm-hmm. really don't they're difficult to turn around in some way so did the person who was working with you, what did they actually do to help you with those those maladies?
1: So they used the normal treatments that are available in East Asian medicine, talked about what kind of food I was eating, used acupuncture and herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. And I was consistent with that. And then I remember going for a bike ride one day and I had forgotten to take my inhaler. And I realized, oh, I'm not wheezing. I'm not, my chest isn't closing in on itself. And I kind of was nervous and that's where it went. So oh, that is amazing. That's
0: fantastic. Yeah. So then what do you, you have a area of specialization. What would you say? Yeah, probably the wrong thing to ask, but you smiled. For the folks who are listeners, they wouldn't know that you smiled at that question. But, <laughs> but the issue would be, what do you actually focus on when you do it? You just take, you take the whole person. There's no the big,
1: special, the big picture. Exactly. I get that question a lot. I smile because that's a reductionistic view. I remember I, I was speaking to a child psychologist here. He's like, So what are you special? you specialize in the gut? You know, he's trying to get it down. No, no, the whole thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the kid. I, as soon as you smiled, <laughs> I realized what I'd said. You know? <laughs> so you so what happens is so you don't really a person comes to you with really they're just treatment failure. They yep. could be treatment failure on any level. Yep. And so do you live, you live now in Chapel Hill. Correct. Yep. And so then you came back over here to the East Coast and Chapel Hill's got a very, they have a very enthusiastic group down there. Uh, people who are, I mean, there's the traditional group, but I've, it seemed to me there's some people who are over on the functional medicine side down there.
1: There's some, mm-hmm. it's a different flavor than the West Coast, but there's, oh. yeah, yeah. It's
0: not quite as accepting.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That,
0: that is the East Coast. That's true.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I fully understand what you're talking about. So let's talk about some examples of what you do. I mean, okay. the word meridian is an important word. We've talked to some people who do practice acupuncture. Uh-huh. That a good, that's a word. It's a phrase like, what in the heck are we talking about okay. with meridians? And yeah. how is that related to what we're doing?
1: Yeah. So I, Chuck, I always like to normalize things. So meridians could seem, oh, an acupuncture, and it's weird. There's a wonderful scientist at the University of Vermont. My brain will remember her name in a minute. But she looks at meridians in terms of connective tissue, and she'll look at how does the connective tissue change when you needle a particular acupuncture point. And so perhaps this web of connective tissue is part of the communication system of acupuncture. And Mm -hmm. when you're skilled, you can feel it. You know, we learn by the anatomy where the points are. But when you're an experienced practitioner, you okay, this is, you know, liver two, and I'm feeling up, there's three, there's four, there's five, they're there. And then from the Western medicine point, there's connective tissue density where the acupuncture points are.
0: So that's interesting. I'm an osteopathic physician. I don't know if you yeah. know that. So we,
1: I did. Yeah. so
0: we, you know, I've been doing that. My mother was an osteopathic physician. That's how I got into it. So she, she graduated in 39 in Philadelphia. Uh, cool! so she did it her whole life. And uh, so what happened was it, and people who aren't really aware of that don't realize you can palpate that, that you can actually feel it with your fingers. But when you're saying that to me, I'm still curious about what you experience from an acupuncture point of view. When you're going down a meridian, do you actually feel sort of semi nodules under the skin or how does that actually, how do you actually palpate that?
1: I think it's more subtle than that. It's not mm-hmm. an obvious, oh, boom, there's this obvious thing. It's more, it just is, it's more subtle. And then mm-hmm. I will use palpation and my brain might say, use this particular point, but I'll, I'll palpate a couple points to make my mm-hmm. choice of which one I want to choose. One day when I found out that you were an osteopath, my experience with osteopaths is that you get that connectivity because of all how all the bones are all connected. The, mm-hmm. This beautiful web of the nervous system, it's all connected. So for example, with the meridians, you might needle points on the foot to treat a headache. It's all connected.
0: So, yes. when you're palpating, just to take it a little bit further, do you go for an area of uh, increased density, or do you sometimes say, "Hey, this should be f- more firm and it's a little it's a little oh. soft on palpation." How does that work?
1: Some points so I'm thinking of stomach forty they feel kind of mushy you'll yeah. feel it. I don't know that I can put into words. Sometimes the point might be tender for the patient. Oh, okay. That's not really what I'm going by. But when I get needled and I, I can feel it, that I need that point by how it feels to me. It
0: feels oh, that's tender. interesting. Yeah. Well, and how do you experience that? Too? If somebody is palpating you, what do you say to yourself? Okay, that's a spot. What happens? I know. Let's try to articulate it if we could. It's interesting.
1: It'll be tender and it just, it's like, it's more reactive. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I might get a, Yeah. Sometimes I might get a little nervous. I'm like, I'm gonna feel that needle, you know, when it goes in.
0: So you know that it's you're you have an exquisite sensitivity there. Yes. Gotcha. So give us some examples, if you will, of some experiences that you had which were surprising to you. You know, you have a a large body of knowledge here, and somebody comes in and you're like, Okay, this is what it looks like. And then you're going down the road and it's, oh my gosh, here's this whole other thing going on.
1: From the perspective of acupuncture or the whole kit and caboodle?
0: Whatever you'd like to address, because I think they're both would be of interest. Either way, you'd like to go with it.
1: One of the sort of most obvious experiences that I had was I had this woman and she had digestive issues. And I prescribed this really simple four-herb formula to help her with her digestion. And she couldn't digest it. And I Mm. went, what? (laughs) I mean, I had never seen that in the school clinics. It never was brought up by our teachers. You know, I mean, it just, what? Why is that happening? And so that just made a click. What's going on that it's so far off balance? What's happened here? And, you know, looking at someone laying on the table and they have insomnia. And I just had this moment of looking at her and just going, why is her sleep so bad? You know, why is it, again, why is it so far off balance? So it started cluing me in. There's a diagnostic piece that I'm not seeing. There's something going on that I'm not
0: seeing. That is exactly the same thing that happened to me. Uh, I mean, you think you know what you're doing, and you have the training, and then you go in there, and you're doing what would be reasonable, conventional, even in your, your particular practice. And then you, you have a um, counterproductive treatment failure experience. Something's not right here. So then what happened with that woman? What did you begin to discover as you went further into that experience?
1: Well, I think really it was functional medicine that clarified that for me right learning about glyphosate from people like dr zachary bush learning about mm-hmm. toxins like from dr joseph presorno who you've had on mm-hmm. uh learning about nutrient deficiencies from like dr william walsh listening to stephanie seneff you know again with the glyphosate and the conjunction with the heavy metals and oh <laughs> you know and then seeing the functional medicine tests come back geez this woman has a very high level of cadmium no wonder, you know, I, I can make strides, but I got to deal with that. I can't out-herb a heavy metal, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't work.
1: Yeah, no. So do, you,
0: do you do a hair analysis then for that, or what's your modality of checking it out?
1: Yes. I like Great Plains Laboratory. I like to just do a basic, let's look at the heavy metals with the hair. Let's look at the organic toxins right Mm -hmm. there on the screen. Let's look at if someone is very inflamed, let's look at IgG so I can use that as a treatment measure to take those out to let the inflammation go down. And then either the oat test or the comprehensive stool analysis to look at the microbiome. And I also ran a mold test on a patient and it was just incredible what came back. She had two markers that were way high up so again That's, you're
0: like wow that mold thing is so interesting you know i yeah. you went up to see richie shoemaker a long time ago and i've been interested in mold for a long time and then we've had probably three people on talking about mold and uh, one was uh, dr pratt hyatt from great plains the guy that runs the mycotoxin portion there and then we've had two other people talk about mycotoxins and one of them was just yeah. published this morning as a matter of fact Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, so the whole mycotoxin thing has been very interesting, and it's so revolutionary. I'm not really experienced with it, to tell you the truth. I think one of the things that's interesting is hearing folks like yourself talk about it. It's like, hey, if you get this straight, there's a whole, a whole array of additional answers here mm-hmm. if we just do the testing. Yeah. So, so then when you find the cadmium, then what do you do to pull the heavy metals out? What's your favorite way of doing that?
1: Well, I'm always curious. It must be more complex. I don't know if you've had this experience. I'm always trying to read, like, am I doing what I need to be doing? And, you know, so sweating is one of the best ways to get toxins out of the body. So that's the first way. Also, a good organic diet helps just get the gunk out. And then perhaps some nutrient supplements to just also help with that, with the heavy metal detoxification.
0: Yeah, the chelation, the chelation guys. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then to bind them up in the gut so that they go out. So
0: Well, that's interesting. So then when you do that, then the person actually slowly but surely was able to then digest. In that, Yes. In that particular, going back to the original presentation.
1: Yeah. Well, with her, so I, the cadmium was another woman with fibromyalgia. The mold is someone with Sjogren's disease. That first woman that I saw, I didn't have the knowledge that I do now. So I was, mm-hmm. it was a conundrum for me. Now I would go back and I would focus on glyphosate, right? And healing mm-hmm. that gut lining. And, and also, you know, her microbiome was completely out of balance. So working to to put that back into balance.
0: Yeah. I mean, isn't it great to have the tool? I totally. Because you know, then you come in and you have a sense of confidence that you've already bumped up against the wall a few times. And so you feel okay, look, this is just another wall. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to get it. I've got this confidence I'm going to get it. So then do you have a private practice? You what what is your private practice like? Let's talk about that a little bit.
1: I recently dropped acupuncture to focus more on this really big picture and incorporating the toxins and and the gut damage. And it's a lot of it is is consultation and then working step by step let's identify what the problem is, let's run some functional medicine tests to get more of a picture, and then let's work to treat it. And then also to be supportive, like so for example, I'm treating a woman who had Lyme's disease when she was 17, right? Got a load of antibiotics and steroids, then was just sick every month, more antibiotics, more steroids. She did go see a Chinese medicine doctor in New York, got good results, but then when you took the herbs away, the symptoms came back. So I'm trying to work, heal the gut. Let's, you know, look at what toxins you have in your system. She also grew up in Brooklyn where there's a a major toxic site near where she lived. And then also what I love about East Asian medicine is it's very compassionate in when you're speaking with people. So because it encompasses everything, so I can say, you know, for example, I said to her, she does worse in the winter when it's colder. And I would say, you know, well, you, you have this deficiency and I would say yang qi shu, which would be warmth. So -hmm. when we don't have the warmth in the winter, you don't have that nourishment from the environment. So of course you're going to do worse. And then relaxation. Oh, okay. Right. You see how you're, you're connected with everything. It's not like something's wrong with you or et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of speaking in percentages. You know, here's a little piece of something that we can do something with, yeah. as opposed to you're totally blown.
1: Yeah, you know, like oh, i'm I'm sick, oh, and I'm not getting better. Okay, well, let's look at why. Then mm-hmm. let's go back and so you had this you know picture that started and and it was influenced by this and influenced by this, and okay, and now we're here. So now how are we going to heal you? How are we going to bring you back into balance?
0: That is so interesting. You know when you really think about it, I mean, the confidence that you have the feeling of, look, I'm going to get this done, just is very reassuring. It's great. You know, do you work with people virtually as well? Yes. How do you actually do that? Could you explain that to our guests?
1: Via Skype. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I'll send them my uh, initial consultation sheet, and they'll fill it out, bring it back with me. And it's actually been wonderful. I'll do Skype with patients that are local, no drive time. and, And I've been surprised that there's really been a good connection with my patients even if they're not in the room with me. So we'll do the initial consultation and then depending on how sick they are or how much support they need from me, I'll work with them once a week, once every other week, once a month and and I like to work in three month segments. So we've got this goal, where are you at? Let's get some more information, where do we need to go? And then at the end, where are you and how much more help do you need from me? I used to not do any structure, let's see as it goes. I found my patients liked, and it helped me too, to structure it a bit in a, you know, in a three months, let's reevaluate. Let's do you know.
0: Now, when you say reevaluate, do you retest? Like, for example, what, what kind of things do you actually retest on? I mean, some of the things you don't need to, for example, like IgG, I don't know where you are with that. I mean, I'm just talking about my own experience, but what do you retest on, for example?
1: toxins. So mm-hmm. for example, I have a, a patient uh, who came to me, wanted to get off his PPI. And um, then when I started learning, and again, I got him to a certain level, we were down to twice, he only needed it twice a week, but I couldn't move the needle and get him all the way off of it. And then when I started learning about function medicine, oh, all right, let's 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 take this big look. And he had had an episode with testicular cancer. And when you look at his toxin screen, you kind of go, Make sense that that happened. So mm-hmm. let's detox. Now that we've done that, let's retest and see where we are. So things like that, I think it would be individualized.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It really is because I think that's putting that structure in is so relevant. I mean, I've been the same way. It's sort of like, okay, we've got it done. I think it's going to work. And you have the, when you start, you have the confidence because, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to work. And then, okay, well, if I don't really get behind that, I'm not going to find out when it doesn't work. <laughs> and have a structure so you can really chase it down. And that's very interesting. Now, so we're going to take a quick break here, but what I'm going to do is ask you when we get back, one of the things that's occurring to me, and I think it's true for our audience guests here, is where do you really find the biggest problem with approaching individuals who come in to see you? What would you say would be the theme of, okay, here's a sort of common theme that I really have to kind of prepare myself for when someone's coming to see me. And I'd like to ask you a little bit about that. And maybe parenthetical to that or somewhat close to it would be the most difficult person who would come to you. What kind of difficulty would you see? And then what could you do about it? So we'll ask you about those kind of difficulties because that's where so many people wonder, hey, how would she treat me? What would happen in that situation? Oh, okay. So, So we'll be back in just a moment, folks. Well, you folks already know that here at CoreBrain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's dhalab.com forward slash core. So welcome back, folks. Dr. Laura Varga here is talking to us about some very, very interesting comprehensive approaches to the suffering of human beings that we don't hear about often. We, we just don't get it. And I'm so glad we have an opportunity to talk to people like Laura. She's so, uh, so interesting. So the, the difficult question is, it's sort of the larger question is, what do you do with the difficult people who come in from the point of view Either with their attitude or they have something that just seems to be intractable on the front end and they've almost given up with themselves. What kind of hints, ideas do you have about something like that?
1: So they feel defeated that it's hard?
0: Yeah, they feel defeated and they're skeptical and uh, they want to get something to happen. They want, to, they want some kind of preliminary reassurance before they go down this long path with you. How do you approach something like that?
1: Yeah, I think the treatment part is easier. What I have found to be the hardest and what I wasn't really prepared for when I came out of school is the perceptions of, right, you mentioned alternative medicine and traditional medicine. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part for me. And I'll have my degrees on the wall. Like this was 11 years (laughs) I spent, you know, (laughs) studying. I must've learned something, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and then to and, and what I've also read, and I, I put some books in the show notes, An American Sickness and the Truth About the Drug Companies, written by MDs, very, very good. So the Western medicine knows everything. And then these kind of alternative guys are, I don't know, that's the hardest thing to step forward from. And I mean, the way that I handle it is I just, I just make it normal you know, and just talk about it and say, this is right now, we've been suppressing your symptoms, you know, maybe you're on Neurontin for pain and, but that's not going to shift what's happening. And I like to use big pieces of paper and I'll draw the gut and Mm -hmm. I'll draw the microbiome and, you know, you've had antibiotics. So the good guys go down, the bad guys go up and release toxins and glyphosate gut damage and then the immune primary immune system, secondary immune system. So just to really lay it out in a picture. And then you know, I think it it takes time in the relationship. But at the get go, people well, and you're in in psychiatry, so you'll have an opinion on this. At the get-go, people either get it or not. They're drawn to it. They want to take a step forward. And then they also have to want to to get well. That I didn't learn about in schools the whole psychology around illness. So for me, that's the hardest. In terms of treatment, I like a big puzzle. That's fun for me. I like to look at all the different factors and sit with it and look at it and figure out where we're going. And really, in my practice and, and what I've been seeing and then learning about functional medicine, and this is why, this is the piece that surprises me that took me five years to see. We look at the health of the earth. Right. And Mm -hmm. in East Asian medicine, we are the human body is a little microcosm of of the big macrocosm. Mm -hmm. And I have started to say to my patients, you know, well, the bees are sick, the birds are sick, the polar bears are sick, the coral reefs are sick. We're sick, too. So to to see that that interconnectivity and, and the big picture.
0: That is a very provocative observation. It's very helpful. You know, so much while you're talking, I'm thinking about so much of what we do. I say this overtly to people that a lot of what I do, and you're just saying this in a different way, but we're saying the same thing, is the person really has to get educated about the process. They come in with a vertical management expectation that you're going to do something. And then what happens is if we do educate them well, they do form a partnership with us then we're on the same path together if they stay in that verticality if they stay in a passivity and with an expectation without they're basically going to be non-cooperative on some level because they really haven't been educated enough to really know how to cooperate effectively right so then what happens is they're distant and you wind up I myself wind up chasing on some level uh working with them and, and of course as I chase them then I do educate them yeah <laughs> Because I know that they don't get it on some level, and then we have to we have to make it palatable and understandable. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think they have to be in a place where they're. Someone told me this. They have to be more uncomfortable than the idea of how uncomfortable it would be to make the changes.
0: So Isn't for, that true? I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I interrupt you, but that's. But,
1: Yeah. So for example, I had this woman, she had chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, bed bound, throwing up every day, not able to hug her children. And I worked with her and, you know, then she was driving her kids around and hugging her kids and, doing great. And her friend had uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And mm-hmm. I, I met with her and she just said, oh, well, I just, I don't think I could do the diet changes that she did. Yeah. And I thought, "Yeah, wow, uh, yeah. You're, you're suffering, right?
0: You're so, not suffering enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a woman that was so, so completely messed up. And when she'd been seen by a number of people and she came in for a second opinion and she was a treatment failure on all kinds of psych meds. You know, one of these people said, I've been on 20 antidepressants and, and somebody said, I had ADD and I've been on stimulant medications and nothing works for me. I'm just untreatable. And we went in the whole thing and I asked her, my favorite question is how many times a day do you go number two? So we did the whole transit time with her and she was like, you know, twice a week or something like that. Oh. So then I said, look, we really need to do IgG testing. Well, I don't know if I need it or not. You know, there's this whole thing. Finally, we got her to do IgG testing. And then we presented the results to her and she broke down and cried. I can't do this. Milk is my favorite food. You know, she was redlined over on, on the Great Plains, <laughs> she was redlined on IgG with casein all the way over. I call it New Jersey trifecta. She had milk, eggs, and wheat completely blown all the way out and she had candida on top of it. But the deal was her milk was her thing. And yeah. it was almost like kill the messenger. Like, I can't believe. Then she started being upset. Then she got mad. I can't believe you're telling me this. So, so she was mad for probably, I would say, two or three months. But she finally did come around. She'd come in for a, a review, and she said, said, hey, you know, I hate to admit it, but I think you're right. But it took the pain. She had to actually accept the pain, apropos of your point. She had to say, okay, I am more uncomfortable with this problem. I am going to do something about it. I don't have to kill the messenger. I'll give it a shot.
1: And, you know, and I understand the difficulty of that transition. For breakfast, I'd love to have a cafe au lait with a nice brioche, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but that's not what my body likes, so that's not what I do.
0: I mean, it's so often that our bodies are telling us what we have to do. Our mind is going down one path, which is what we like or what's satisfying. Yeah. And our body is saying, no, no, no.
1: And another thing I love, I'll just drop in this point about diet. You know, I had always been trying to figure out what I need to eat for my body. And then I love East Asian medicine because it's individualized. So you have the differential diagnosis, which is not the Western medicine diagnosis. And then the foods that you should or should not eat are helping to balance that imbalance, which is going to be different for different people right? So you can read, oh, you should eat all raw, but maybe with that person's particular diagnosis, that's not good. So that was very helpful to me going through school to learn what this body needs to eat.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about that, if you will, because I'm on the negative side, but I don't know almost anything about the affirmative side, and that would be something you would know something about. So how I'm, I'm sure you can't, it's really too global a question, but could oh, you give us a couple of examples on something like, hey, this, this would be beneficial for you from an East Asian medicine perspective?
1: So, for example, the woman who had the Lyme's disease, her digestion is really very weak. Mm-hmm. And as so I would say, she has spleen sheet deficiency and she was eating a lot of what we would say are damp sweet foods so breakfast might be like a banana and then she'd have you know maybe some peanut butter and some more fruit and it all very kind of like sweet they might be yeah. healthy but it's just still too sweet so i said to her you know this a little bit of sweet nourishes the digestive system but you've got too much so it's harder on your digestive system. So to nourish it, and this is in winter, I want you to be eating more soups and she's weak. So can you do some bone broth to really help nourish you? And Mm -hmm. for right now, I want you to be eating more cooked vegetables, not too much raw because those are, we would say, cold and hard to digest.
0: That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother. So I'm I'm looking forward to including the books that you have in your show notes. I'll put them in the show notes because those would be instructive in this kind of a conversation. Now, have you written anything yourself in this regard?
1: Not yet. I think I probably should because people will ask me, what, can you recommend something? And it's (laughs) sort of the East Asian medicine book's it's very East Asian medicine, so it's hard for a lay person to just kind of read it and
0: jump into it. Well, show me that one that you had there, and it did, was that in your list?
1: Yeah, this is in my list. This is fantastic. It's really interesting because it was written in 1100 and it's called The Treatise on the Spleen and Stomach, a translation of the Pi Wei Lun. And he, this physician started to see that the patients that really weren't moving it's the shift of the diagnosis started to be this internal damage, damage to the digestion. So he was Mm -hmm. starting to see when people would come back and things wouldn't heal, he started to focus on healing the digestion. And then from that, we know in, in East Asian medicine, that's number one for us. We have to heal that before we can heal other things. And well, so that's it,
0: interesting because I have a similar focus, but I don't have the depth of focus that you have. That sounds like a very interesting book. It, it is. We it's see, amazing. so we see, I mean, you know, I, I'm limited in my thinking, so I'm always thinking about immunity, and uh, uh, it's more than immunity.
1: Well, it's everything. It's like uh, Zachary Bush was saying, you know, there's the digestion, and then just on the other side, we've got all that... The neurons and hormones and everything that's there in our primary immune system in the gut and the microbiome being part of our immune system.
0: Isn't he an yeah. interesting guy?
1: He's fantastic. I wrote him an email and I said, you know, for someone who came from such a reductionistic background, you really have this great holistic
0: viewpoint. Oh, he does. And fantastic. He, he, and he just, when you crank him up and ask a question, he just goes right into the clouds. I mean, <laughs> covers so much in such a careful and beautifully explanatory way. I mean, I just enjoyed speaking with him so much. I bet. We had a number of people on like that, but he was certainly exemplary because, yeah. and I think Bill Bill Walsh does the same thing. Dr. Walsh does the same. Yeah. He's like, he's so humble. Yeah. And, and Zach Bush is such a humble guy. He's just saying, look, yeah. here's here's what we see. You know, this is the way it works. So very interesting. It was a real pleasure listening to him and By the way, folks, you're listening in your car. I'm going to have those links in the show notes, so you can go back to those if you want to. So, in closing, how could people actually contact you, Dr. Laura Varga? How could we contact you if we wanted to?
1: You can go to my website, drlauravarga.com, and that has all my contact information there, the Facebook page, and my email and phone number. And uh, just reach out, and I'd, I'd love to love to help and speak about how it's all connected and how taking that big picture approach is really coming back into balance and focusing on vitality and health. Well,
0: you know, it's so interesting where our conversation has gone, because when we started, I was thinking, okay, I was really thinking about the acupuncture aspect of it, which is so interesting in and of itself. And then how you've traveled over from that perspective, it's kind of the way I've traveled over from the traditional medical perspective. And then where you've gone with it, you know, it's sort of like there's some things that you're doing that you think are constructive and helpful, and yet when you get into it, it isn't quite sufficient. You have to really have a absolutely, and this is categorical, a comprehensive view. You can't have a partial comprehensive view. <laughs> if you do, if you do, reality's going to hit you in the face. And
1: I think so much of our dishealth, our disease, is really the damage to the gut and the toxins you just you look at the earth and you look at us and in some ways i i just feel like wake up <laughs> yeah. i mean it's so obvious and really for people that are listening really just investigate i came out with a very open mind just about all different types of medicine and i think you really got to look be your own advocate in your health really look at traditional look at holistic and be open
0: Thank you so much for coming on board. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hang on. I'm going to talk to you a little bit after we cut off. So you have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Cobrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start thanks for listening do connect and stay tuned together we can make a difference